ready to go, I believe. It's great to be back here again after such a long time, and uh, many of you will remember that we were here once <laughs> a long time ago, and so good to see so many people that we recognize and some new people as well. That's always great. And uh, I just bring with me greetings. I spoke to Bill Van Ryan yesterday, and he told me a little about some of the uh, interventions that uh, Fayette had had, and they're waiting this week to see the results of those things, and praying, obviously, that the Lord will overrule. Uh, it's obvious that there is some form of cancer. They're looking for the primary source so that they can de decide which type of uh, remedies and uh, medicines to use. So continue to pray for them. Um, I'd, I'd like to read today from the book of John, John chapter 21. John 21. And as you'll see there on the, on the screen, uh, I'll be looking at challenges and victory. And uh, the main topic there is faithfulness in serving. Now, we've all been involved, I'm sure, in some form of service for the Lord. If we haven't, then it's a good time to begin to think about it. There's nothing better than be, to be able to serve the Lord. I've been in the ministry now for 48 years, visiting uh, many places in Colombia for 20 years, uh, seeing Andrew when he was just a small boy in Costa Rica where we were learning some Spanish with his parents. And it's been a long journey, but a wonderful journey at that. And uh, so thankful that uh, Andrew is now able and thinking about with Marianne going back to Colombia. Uh, I know their hearts are there. I know my heart is in Colombia. And I was back there just in uh, May this year, having a wonderful time with some of the believers down there, some of the assemblies that we were, the Lord used us to begin in Colombia in, in the area where we were living. So uh, these things are real blessings as we look back. And we can say, well, it's been a, a wonderful journey. The Lord has blessed us in many, many ways. And uh, along the way, there have always been some problems and difficulties. But let's read this, the portion first of all, and then we'll get into some of those sorts of things. John chapter 21, and I'm uh, reading from the ESV translation. Uh, verse 1, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work. He threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw the charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. 
Now none of the disciples dared ask him, ask him, Who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so were the fish. This was how the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now this is an interesting story because we have these faithful disciples who were called by the Lord and they were ready to follow him and go wherever he wanted them to go and get involved in the work and in fact the Lord had given them on several occasions special powers as they were sent out to take the gospel message that he was preaching at that time of uh, the fact that the Messiah had come and, and as they went out they were able to heal the sick, they were able to cast out demons, they were able to do all of these wonders and, and miracles that that were just absolutely fantastic. They had sent a sense of the real power of God in their lives that was through the Holy Spirit and the, and, the, and the Lord Jesus had told them, you will go out with this power, you can do these things. And so they had had a wonderful three and a half years. They'd walked with the Lord, they'd heard his words and they were words of power, they were words of love and compassion as he preached to the crowds and as he was able to get the people together, he was able to show them his love and compassion in so many different ways and the disciples were witnesses of all of these things and they had come to love the Lord Jesus and they were ready to follow him, they were ready to get going and set up the kingdom, they wanted him to begin to reign and they wanted to be there right at the top working with him in his new kingdom being set up but then things didn't work out the way that they thought they should and uh, this is what we find here that the Lord Jesus instead of setting up his kingdom he was rejected by his people he came to his own but his own received him not and so he was rejected and, and what happened? They took the Lord Jesus, this Prince, this Lord of glory, and they nailed him to a cross. They crucified him. And you can imagine how the disciples felt. They were all ready to see a kingdom being set up. They were all ready, ready to see the Lord Jesus take over and take control of everything concerning Israel. And all of a sudden, their hopes and their fears are there. They're, they're, everything is dashed in there, and they're just completely... Uh, they're, they're really having trouble believing what is going on. And so you can imagine how it was for them. Um, first of all, we, we, we remember what happened, Matthew 28, 5 and 7. The, uh, the disciples, uh, the ladies, they went to the tomb to see uh, the Lord Jesus and anoint the body with the uh, spices and so on. And it says in Matthew 28, 5 through 7, the angel said to the women when they got there, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. And so now you can imagine the disciples. They're, they're all together. They're, they're in a closed room. They're afraid of what's happening. They've seen their, their, their Savior, their Lord, crucified, taken by wicked hands. And now they feel like they are now the target for these wicked people, these religious people who wanted to do away with the Lord Jesus and everything that was connected with him. And so they're hiding away in a room. And then the ladies come back and they say, he, he's not in the grave. He's risen. And now they're confused. They're wondering, what is going on? We can't understand anything here. They were discouraged, as you can imagine, because the Lord who had been with them all of those years, he is no longer with them. He's no longer walking there. In their, they're not in his presence. They're not listening to his words. They're not seeing his power. They're not seeing what he is able to do with the wind and the waves and so many other things 
that had been a part of their three and a half years walking with the Lord Jesus. And they, they truly believed that he was the Son of God. And yet, what happened? He was taken by wicked hands. He was nailed to a cross, crucified, and they knew he had died. And they knew he had been buried in this tomb. And then the ladies come back and say, he's not there, he's risen. You can imagine the confusion that they had, the disappointment, because they had plans for what they were going to be doing as they would be serving the Lord in the new kingdom that he was going to establish. They didn't quite understand anything of what was going on, even though the Lord had told them previously on many occasions, you know, I, unless a, a, corner, a kernel of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it stays alone. And he was indicating that he would be lifted up. And, it, and when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. He was talking about his death. He was talking about the work that he would do as the savior of the world by shedding his blood on the cross of Calvary and there making a, a basis by which not only the Jews but every living person could come to a place of nearness to God, a holy God, receiving the Lord Jesus as Savior and, and coming to know him as their Lord and Savior and getting eternal life. They, they didn't understand. They're confused. They're wondering what is going on. And uh, they, now the Lord says, go on to Jerusalem through these ladies. Go down to Galilee, I should say, and wait for me there. So they go down to Galilee. And uh, what, what is happening? What is the Lord trying to do? What is he trying to teach us? What are we, what are we supposed to do? And you know, we can get into all sorts of situations where we don't know what's going to happen and the plans that we have don't really work out the way we would like them to work out. We've made some, have some ideas about the way that we should live and the things that we should do, the places where we should go. I, I remember that I was in Colombia for 20 years and I planned to stay there till I died, but the Lord had other plans. He changed the whole direction of my life through circumstances. And, and he changed the ministry in, in which I'm involved. And, and it's very, very difficult when you get to those places of discouragement. You know, one of the hardest things for us as believers, even though we're strong in the Lord and we believe in him and we have new life and we've experienced his power and his love in our lives, when we come to a place where things have changed and we don't understand what's going on, the plans that we have had is very dear to us uh, fall to the ground. But what is the Lord doing? Why is he allowing this? You know, a lot of people say, well, you should never question why. But yes, when you read through the Psalms and you read what David had to say to the Lord sometimes, Lord, why, is the, why are these things happening? Why is the enemy following me to kill me? And, and praying for uh, protection and, and the care of God. So there's nothing wrong with asking God why as long as we're seeking to find out what is his plan and his purpose in the situation in which we are living. And one of the hardest things is as one of the scripture verses, and we actually had this in our reading at the, after breakfast this morning, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Now, uh, a couple of weeks before I had surgery, I'd been planning to come here. I didn't know whether I'd be standing here today or uh, with a wheelchair or whatever. I had a, a, re a knee replacement just, over six just on six weeks ago. And uh, thankfully, the Lord has given me the uh, uh, healing so far, and I'm able to walk and I'm able to stand in front of you this morning. But let me tell you, I'm not the sort of person to sit down because you can't walk, because you can't go anywhere. I had a walker for the first week, and that was terrifying for me because I just couldn't imagine living with a walker all my life. And all I could do was sit down, and then there were some exercises that had to be done 
but fortunately the Olympic Games were on and so I was able to watch a few of those and get my mind off myself and my, my thoughts, why, why am I here? But you know, sometimes these times are very, very difficult to be still and know that I am God. We need to have patience while we are waiting. And that's one of the hardest things for me in the world to have patience because I've never been a patient person. I've always been ready to dive into whatever is coming and doing and, and get involved. And, and uh, you know, that's the Lord's blessed. I've had to learn to, uh, to seek the Lord's mind and, and, and try to put into practice some of these things. But naturally speaking, I'm an impatient person. So these things are very difficult for me. And you wonder, Lord, why? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? And, uh, and, but the Lord says, just be still and wait. I have a plan. I have a purpose. I know what you're going through. I know the situation of your life. I know the plans that you had, but maybe they weren't my plans. My plans are better. My plans are always better, God will tell us. And so we need to wait on the Lord and see what he has for us. Now, Peter is a very impatient person. We all know that. We, we hear the stories of how he was quick to jump in and he was quick to speak. He was the first one to ever jump out of a boat and walk on water when the Lord called him. Uh, I mean, that's the sort of person he was. And now we find him, he's totally confused. He told the Lord previously, I will, I will never leave you. I, I, I will always be at your side. I will, I will go to, the, to death for you. I'm ready to die for you if that's what you want. And then within 12 hours, he denies the Lord three times. You can imagine how he must have felt. And then the Lord, his Lord is killed and he's in a tomb. Can you imagine the discouragement that Peter had at that time? And then these ladies come back and they say, no, he's, he's, he's risen. And uh, he said to go to Galilee and wait. Now Peter's gone back to Galilee with a few of the other disciples. And they're there and they're, I've been here for five days already. Why hasn't he come? He said to come here and he would, would come here. And so impatient Peter, what does he say? I'm going fishing. <laughs> I'm out of here. I, I, I can't sit around here and do nothing. I'm going to go back fishing again. That's so very, very important. That's in verse uh, 3 of this chapter. What does this tell us? In one sense, it's telling us that not only is he discouraged, but there's a spiritual weakness because he'd been depending on himself. He told the Lord, I will never forsake you. I, I, I will never deny you. But you know what? That was self. That was the flesh. And then the Lord said, no, just hang on there, Peter. I know that it's going to happen. And before the cock, the, the uh, cock crows three times, you will deny me three times. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. And now he's totally discouraged. He's wondering what he's going to do. The Lord is dead. He's not going to set up his kingdom right now. What is his plan? I, I, I don't have anywhere to go. I don't know what to do. How can I handle this situation? Well, I was a fisherman. I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my old employment. And this, this was quite a change for somebody like Peter because he was one of those who, uh, who had uh, been ready to walk with the Lord for the rest of his life. He'd made that commitment to the Lord when the Lord said, come follow me. But now he's going back to his old way of life. And it's so very easy for us when there are, there are trials or problems that come along. And I'm sure many of you have heard people say when there's a, a real trial that comes by, somebody has a child that has a defect or dies or whatever that might be, some, something terrible. Why does a God of love allow such a thing as that? Well, you know, sin came into the world 
And because of sin came all sorts of degeneration in the, in the human race. And we're all going to die one way or another if the Lord tarries. And uh, we're all going to have different sicknesses and problems and difficulties in our lives. How are we going to address these things? How are we going to accept these things? Well, we need to be able to say, well, I don't know what's happening now. I don't know why the Lord has allowed this. I don't know why there are circumstances in the world around us today that seem to be uh, absolutely terrible. We hear about the bombings and so many other things in different places and even in our own countries. And we have to say, well, what, what is, why is the Lord allowing all of these things? Well, the Lord has a plan. But what is more important is what is his plan for me? And that's what we need to find out. What does the Lord want of me? And the fact that I'm going through a situation is possibly because the Lord is wanting to redirect my energies, redirect my life, to give me something that will be better because his will and his ways are always better for us than our own ideas and our own ways. And so Peter, well, I'm a good fisherman. I know what it's like to fish. I know the best fishing spots. So guys, let's go fishing. So off Peter, he jumps in, in the boat that was there back near his hometown. And, uh, you know, they'd been called. All of the disciples had been called in a very positive way. Mark, 16, Mark, sorry, Mark 1, 16 to 18. Simon and his brother Andrew were casting a net in the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Now the Lord there was giving them a, a bit of a clue as to what the future would be, what was his purpose for these disciples, that they would become fishers of men, that they would become evangelists who would evangelize the world. The Lord had a plan, he had a purpose, and he used their position, their work as fishermen, as an object lesson for them. You know how to catch fish. I will teach you how to catch men, just like just the way you catch fish. But what does it say? At once they left their nets and followed him. So they had a, a, a complete commitment to the Lord when he called them. He called them and said, come follow me. And they immediately left their nets and followed the Lord. They were ready to go with him wherever he would lead. And you know, we, we make those sort of commitments too, and that's important. We need to be totally committed to the Lord so that he can take control of our lives, so that he can help us uh, in the things that we are doing, the, the plans and purposes that he has for us. And so it's very important for us to be ready to follow. But then when the Lord changes the course of the things in our lives, what do we do? How do we react? What is, what is our thought? Are we prepared to sometimes just be patient and be still and say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but... I just have to wait and go through some of these things. I remember when, after my, uh, my wife Anne passed away in Colombia, and uh, there were a number of things that happened in the, in the following year, and I, I have to tell you, I was totally discouraged. I was really down in the depths at that time. I went back to Australia with my children, my younger children then, and uh, every morning they would go off to school, and then I would sit at the window of the apartment where I was living. There was a nice bushy area outside. I could see it was very pleasant, but very nice. I'd open my Bible and, and I'd try to read it. And you know what? I was just, they were just words. I wasn't getting anything at all out of the scripture. And I've been reading the scripture three times a year for many years already, for 20 years at least already. And I just wasn't getting anything out of scripture. It wasn't saying anything to me. On other occasions, you know, you'd be reading and a verse would jump out and you say, oh, that's what the Lord wants. And, 
and you understand something. It seemed to be guided and directed by the word itself. But I can remember sitting there not feeling anything. And then I tried to pray. And I felt like my prayers weren't hitting the ceiling. They weren't going any, anywhere beyond that. What is the problem? What is going on? Why am I here? Why did all of this have to, ha have to happen? I was so happy as a missionary in Colombia. And, and I would have loved to have stayed there all my life. But here I am back in Australia. What am I going to do now? And you know, for, for many weeks, that was a situation I was in. But every morning, regardless, I got up, and I put the Bible in front of me, I tried to read it, I tried to pray, and then I began to remember some of the things that the Lord had done. Now, just as uh, uh, Peter and the others had been called by the Lord, it was a very definite call, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In the same way, there are some very definite things that the Lord had done in my life as a businessman in Australia, how he had called me away from business to to follow him and to be ready to go even to a place like Colombia, which I didn't even know where it was when I first had the call to Colombia. I had to go and find an atlas and find out where Colombia was. From Australia, it's a long way away. But, you know, I think about those things and the many blessings in Colombia, how the Lord had started up a work in different types of ministries and work in, in Colombia, and the many, many blessings along the way. And as I was thinking about all of these blessings, thinking about how the Lord had led and guided in the past, I began gradually to come back to a place where the scripture was more meaningful again. And I felt that I was connecting again with God. Now, you know, God was always there. I was the one who was discouraged. I was the one who was out of touch, in a sense, because of the circumstances. And that's very natural, because we're human, aren't we? When we go through a problem, what do we do? We get discouraged. We get worried. We get concerned about all sorts of things. But uh, what we need to learn is to, as it said earlier on, be still and know that I am God. And then eventually he brought us out of that situation and uh, many other things have happened. And uh, eventually I ended up here in the United States, uh, involved in different ministries here, and finally uh, involved with the Mayus Bible College on the board there and, and the Correspondence School Ministries. I'm, I'm the chairman of the board there. The Lord has opened up all of these different ministries, which are phenomenal because it's a worldwide outreach, the literature ministry, and it's, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. So, you know, the Lord has a plan, and sometimes he uses the circumstances that come into our lives that may seem defeating for us, but it's just the Lord saying, I'm going to change the direction a little here. Just, just, have, just wait on me. Just take, take it easy. Have peace. And, and be, be still and know that I am God. I, I am in control. That's one of the things I've learned. And uh, Barbara will tell you that uh, whenever things aren't seemingly good for all sorts of things that are happening in, in life with a family of kids and so on, uh, I said, don't worry. God is in control. It will all work out. She said, I'm going to put that on your tombstone because I said it so often. But you know, that's the truth. God is in control. And he works out all of these details if we are patient and if we wait on him. So let's move along here. So what happened? Peter says, I'm going fishing. What did the other disciples say? Ah, I'm going with you. Now this is, this is something that we have to think about too. If we're discouraged, we have to be careful that we're not going to discourage everybody around us. Because Peter was discouraged. And, and they were influenced by Peter, who was a strong leader. 
And we, we need to watch our attitudes and the way we live, even when we're going through a problem, so that we're not going to cause other people to be discouraged and follow us into a place of discouragement and begin to say, well, I don't know what's going on in our chapel, but, you know, I, I can't see the reason why I'm staying there or whatever. All sorts of things come to mind. And other people say, yeah, well, I'm going to leave too. You know, these, this isn't the way for us to act as, as those who are truly following the Lord and loving the Lord and wanting him to help us. And when these trials come along, what do we do? We wait on him and say, Lord, you've got a plan and you've got a purpose. I want you to work it out. So what we need to do, as it says in James 4, verses 7 through 8, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. You know, that's it's a sort of a strange saying. God will come near to us. But you know what? He's always there. We're the ones who get a little at a distance from God and from the Lord. When things come in, we are the ones who, who fail and, and, and get away from the Lord a little bit. But what we need to do is to get near to him, and then we'll have a sense again of his presence with us. Keep your eyes on the Lord and not on men, even on good leaders, because a lot of good leaders have failed as well. Solomon in his old age, what happened? He went into idolatry and, and confused the whole nation and brought problems into Israel like they never had before. So we, we need to be careful that we're not uh, influencing other people by our attitudes. And when trials come, let us just be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Why? Because there's a spiritual battle going on. We have to realize that there in the heavenlies there are battles going on. Angels and demons are at, at war. And Satan would love to just terminate every believer Whenever, the moment they come to know the Lord as Savior. But they, they can't do that. Why? Because God is in control. You remember the story about, about Job, how, how he was tested. Satan wanted to get at him, but God said, no, no, no. And Satan said, I can't touch him because he's got a, a, a hedge around him. And so uh, God said, well, I'm going to take away a little bit, and you can just do a little bit there. And, and so he did his best. But we know that, uh, that Job did not fail. He was true to the Lord in, in spite of the problem, sitting in, in, in the ash heap, scraping the boils on his, on his body. He's saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. Even though he couldn't understand it, and even though he argued against all that was happening, he still was trusting the Lord. And so, you know, we, we, there is this battle going on, and it's a spiritual battle. And Satan would love to just turn our eyes away from Jesus and to follow our own ideas to go down a path that will not lead us anywhere, but the Lord is there and he will protect us. And we have those, there are angels who are ministering spirits as we read in Hebrews chapter two, uh, the, the chapter one. They're ministering spirits who are there to help us on our way and protect us. You remember when Daniel was praying and an angel was sent from God to bring an answer to his prayer and it, 21 days it took to get there when normally it was just a, a blink of an eye from the presence of God to, the, to this person. But he says, no, I was on the way, but the prince of Persia, a demon over the, the whole country of Persia, he hindered me on the way. And, and there was a real battle going on in the, in, there, somewhere in the, in the atmosphere or wherever it was, and, and needed another angel, stronger angel, to come and help him so that he could get down with the message to Daniel. And he says, and I've got a big battle going back because I'm going back in the prince of Persia, another demon who was over the, the country of Persia, uh, sorry, over Greece, was going to, uh, to do battle with him again. So we don't even know some of these things are happening. 
and, uh, and sometimes we're being tested, but there is a spiritual battle going on, and the only way for us to overcome is to do it in a way that the Holy Spirit in us can do the work for us. We just need to be quiet, knowing that God is in control. We need to allow him to work out his plans and purposes in us so that in every way he can be glorified and the work that we can do uh, can be worthwhile. Now, that night it says in verse 3 here, that night they caught nothing. So Peter said, let's go fishing. I'm going fishing. They all went fishing. And he knew all the best spots in Galilee. He'd been fishing there for years before the Lord called him. But they went to all the best places and they didn't catch a single fish. And you know, when we're acting in the flesh and when we're trying to do things in our own way, we will have a fruitless life. And I think that's the, the story that we learn here. They, they were just doing their thing. They were just going back to their old ways and it wasn't working out. He couldn't catch a single fish. And, uh, and for us, if we are moving away from the Lord because of some circumstance that's come into our lives or whatever it might be, and we, then we, we wonder, why can't we do some of the things that we were doing before to serve the Lord? Why is it that I haven't been able to speak to somebody about the Lord? Why is it that I have, haven't had an opportunity for whatever ministry I may have been involved in prior to this situation. But you know what? The problem is sometimes that we're trying to do things in our own flesh, in our own strength, and in our own way, instead of letting the Lord do the work in us and through us. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples, John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so it's good for us to just say, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know what's going on here. But, you know, I, I can't do anything in my own flesh. I, I, I want you to open doors. I want you to show me exactly what you want me to do. And, you know, he, he will do that. And uh, Barbara, as Barbara will tell you, sometimes I say, well, I haven't got anything on my calendar here. And then within, the, within an hour or so, you get emails and telephone calls and the calendar fills up for visits or ministry in some, some area or other. You see, the Lord is in control. And if we are ready and prepared to be obedient to him, if we are ready to allow him to do his work in us and through us and give him the opportunities, you know, we, he will give us opportunities, but when we say to him, Lord, I'm ready for whatever you want, then he will begin to open doors and show us the way that he wants to go. But as it says here, apart from him, we can do nothing. We can't do anything worthwhile or lasting in the flesh. It's only when we're seeking to serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit under his guidance and direction that anything positive can be done for the Lord. So in that sense, the Lord was at a distance. They were out in the boat. And the Lord was on the, on the, on the seashore there. And uh, it's interesting, you know, they... There was a seeming difference because they didn't really recognize him at first. Uh, we need to maintain a close relationship with the Lord. What does that mean? Well, that means that every day, not just on Sundays when we can come together in a meeting like this to be encouraged in the Word and to have a Sunday school and, and sing these wonderful hymns. And, and that was great singing we had this morning, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, those sorts of things, it's, it's really encouraging. Uh, but, you know, we, uh, we need to maintain on a daily basis a close relationship with the Lord. We need to read our scriptures every day. 
We need to have some sort of a plan for Bible reading, not just in our favorite book of Psalms or whatever, but how, reading through the whole Bible in a year is something we ought to practice. And we ought to have some time in the Bible every day and some time for prayer every day. And husbands and wives, we need to pray together. We need to be able to pray about the things that concern us in our marriage, in our homes, our family. And these are things that bind us together and it keeps the Lord very close to us because we're depending on him for every circumstance and every situation in the li our lives. And even when things don't go the way we want, we still know that we're in that, the Lord's hands, that he is in control and he will lead us through this situation, whatever it might be. When we're disobedient to his word and not walking with him, there will be a sense of distance and discouragements will come. He is never far from us. He's always there. He's, he's with us all the time. But we are at a distance because of our feelings, because we are not walking with him the way we should. And so this is a very important aspect of seeking the Lord, walking with him, allowing him to fulfill his purposes in us and through us. And then the Lord calls out to them, children, do you have any fish? Of course, he knew exactly what was going on, didn't he? I mean, this is a, a question that just was to waken them up a little bit. And maybe they, they, they could hear something in that voice that said earlier on to them, I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. You got any fish? And uh, they said, no, we haven't caught anything. But um, when they realized their earlier response, at once they left their nets and followed him, when he called them the first time, and it had been a similar situation when they'd been fishing, uh, the Lord said, come to me, I'll make you fishers of men. And now he's, he's speaking to them about fishing, and have you caught any fish? And, and, and things are beginning to happen in their minds. They're beginning to remember something about the, what the Lord had done when he called them. And uh, earlier on, uh, and here, he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So this was a real memory jog for them. It was something very familiar. Where had they heard this type of thing before? And that was, of course, when they were called and the Lord said, throw your net out on the other side and you'll catch many fish. That was their first experience. Luke 5, 4, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. In a similar situation, when they filled the nets so much, they had to ask other fishermen to come and help them get the nets ashore. So uh, now they're out in the boat and they're, uh, the result of listening and obeying, verse 6 says, When they did, they threw out their net on the other side there, and they were able to haul in, uh, they, they were unable to haul in the net in because of the large number of fish. So the net was really full of big fish, not just small fish, but there were huge fish in this net, and it's a huge number of fish, 153 altogether. But what happened at that point? When they heard the Lord calling them in this way and telling them to catch the fish, their minds now are beginning to remember what the Lord had done earlier on in their lives when he called them. And this is a refreshing thing for them because now their eyes are beginning to open again uh, and getting away from the discouragements that were there. They're able to uh, say, it is the Lord. The one whom, whom the Lord loved really, John is probably the one who was, says, it's the Lord. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and he jumped into the water, and the other disciples followed in the boat, 
towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. Now a hundred yards is a long way to jump in fully clothed into the, into, the, into the lake, isn't it? I don't know how deep it was, but he was probably swimming for the first uh, little bit of that. But anyway, Peter didn't walk on the water this time, he, he had to swim. Uh, the Lord hadn't called him to walk on the water this time, but he, he was so excited that it was the Lord. I, oh, it is the Lord. And, and, and he's there on the beach, and he just got excited. He jumps into the water, and he begins to go to the Lord right away. And, uh, you know, isn't it wonderful when we have been going through difficult circumstances, and then all of a sudden we see how the Lord begins to work things out for us? And in a way that we never expected, neither did we experience before, and we say, that could only be the Lord. But he's the one who's provided in this situation. He's the one who's given direction in this whole situation that was too difficult for us to really understand. But now it, it is the Lord. He's there. He's the one who's been there all the time. And, and, and so uh, we're ready to go on. So there was a huge catch of large fish. Verse 11, Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even so with so many the net was not torn. So even in that, the Lord protected the catch that they, he told them to get. And other occasions, perhaps these large fish could have moved so much that they'd broken some of the cords in the net, and many of them would have escaped. But no, the Lord even protected when he was in control, when he's organizing things, things work out just right. And he's able to protect, he's able to lead, he's able to guide, he's able to give us the results that he wants because he is in control. And so they were able to pull all of these fish ashore. And when they get there, they, uh, they see the Lord uh, has already got a fish on the fire. You know, that's interesting, isn't it? Where did those fish come from that the Lord had on the fire when they came ashore with all the fish? It wasn't one of the fish out of the net because it was already cooked. It was already to eat. Where did, where did it come from? Well, it doesn't say anything about the Lord having a fishing line. Uh, but do you remember how the Lord on different occasions said to Peter one time, for example, if we've got to pay the tax, then why don't you go and throw a hook in the, in, the, in, the, in the lake there? The fish you pull out will have a coin in its mouth, get the coin out and pay the taxes. How, who, who but God could know such a thing? Who but the creator of mankind and, and all of creation would know such a thing? And there are other similar things like that, that the Lord is in control. He knows exactly what's going on. So when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Now, what would this remind them of? You remember a time when, when the Lord was going aside with his disciples for a break? Uh, they'd been very, very busy. And when they got to the other side of the lake, the whole multitude had followed them. And they'd been, he was there teaching and helping them during the day. And the, the day was getting late. And, and they said, we better send these people home because they've got nothing to eat. What did the Lord say, say to them? You, you feed them. Now, the Lord knew exactly what he was going to do, but he was testing and he was helping them to understand that with him they could do anything. And so one of them comes up and says, well, there's a boy here with, with a few loaves and, and a few fish. What, but what's that amongst 5,000 men and, and plus the women and children? And the Lord says, bring him to you. So the Lord gave thanks and parted it all. And, and a lot of people would say, well, I've heard people say, well, you know what happened uh, the example of this little boy who was prepared to share his lunch made everybody else feel like they had to share their lunch with someone who didn't have enough. But the miracle, if you want to do it that way, is that when they'd finished eating and everyone was stuffed and full, there were 12 baskets full of, 
uh, bread left over. Where did all that come from? No, this, this was a miracle. The Lord, he used those small, that small offering and he turned it into food for everybody that was there. Now they remembered these things. When they get ashore, there are fish cooking and there was bread. So I, I'm sure they began to remember the miracles that the Lord had done in the past and their hearts are thumping with joy and excitement as they're in the Lord's presence. They knew it was the Lord. They knew it was the Lord. Before, there were some doubts about whether he'd risen or not. The ladies had said this, and people had come back from Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, and said, yeah, we walked with the Lord, and so on. And they'd heard these things, but now they're seeing the Lord themselves. And this was the second time that he had appeared to his disciples, and, uh, and to Peter as well. And so, you know, this is a confirmation that the Lord is there, that he is in control, and that he wants to work things out. And in all of this, the resurrection of the Lord was confirmed and his deity as the Son of God was also confirmed to them. They began to realize without any shadow of a doubt that he was the Son of God, that he was God manifest in the flesh. And they could trust him and they could walk with him, they could believe him and they would find in him a resource that uh, they would never ever have in any other way. And then to finish up, you see at the end of this chapter we didn't read this portion but you'll remember how that Peter was restored to the Lord he's the one who denied the Lord three times <clears throat> and the Lord three times asked him Peter do you love me more than these and Peter finally had to say look Lord I don't know anything you are, you are the Lord and, uh, and then what happened Peter now is restored into a full fellowship with the Lord his he has a sense of the fact that his denial has been totally forgiven and washed away. He has a, a whole sense of the Lord now has me in his hands and I'm going to follow him. I am ready. And he was ready to die from then on. And uh, many of the disciples passed away uh, violently, uh, most of them except for John perhaps. But uh, Peter, he was the one who went out there with, in the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and preached and 3,000 people were saved. He was fishing for men. You see, the Lord had told him earlier on, you know, Peter, you'll have the keys of heaven. What do you mean by that? That Peter's up at the pearly gates letting people in or not? No. That was the key that opened up the way of salvation to the lost. And on the day of Pentecost, when Peter pre uh, preached, all of those people got saved. That was him using the key of this new order, the order of grace, of the church that would be established, of the new way of grace and salvation for all people, he was using that key to open that door by the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And then later on in chapter 10 when he was with Cornelius, a Gentile, a Roman centurion, uh, he preached again thinking that perhaps the, the Gentiles weren't going to get saved. But what happened? Cornelius and all of his household, they got truly saved and Peter could come back to the people in Jerusalem and say, just like us at the beginning, when on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them. We, we could not deny them baptism. It's obvious that God is opening the door to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews. And there Peter opened up another, used another one of those keys to open the door of heaven to all. So these, these are lessons for us. And uh, many times we just read this as a sort of an interesting story with Peter. But we need to look into some of these areas of discouragement, of despair, of hopelessness when there are problems and difficulties. And, uh, and I think that this shows us very clearly how that the Lord was able to work in the hearts of those disciples 
and bring them to a place of real trust and a, and a place of real commitment and a readiness to be open and available to the Lord for every situation in life. May the Lord help us as we have our different situations and problems and difficulties that come. We will all have them in one way or another. But you know the Lord is there and he is in control and he wants to bless your life and he wants to use you. We just need to be there, be still and know that I am God and know that he is there for us and that he will bring us through whatever situation we're going through and he will open up a new avenue of ministry or activity or whatever it might be so that we can be blessed as we walk with him. Father, we just want to thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of these disciples who were discouraged and, and rightly so in, in many ways, humanly speaking, but yet they came to see the risen Lord and Savior and they were strengthened and they were able to go out then in the power of his might. Help us when we face situations and trials and problems to likewise keep our eyes on the Lord and allow him to work out his purpose in us and through us so that others will be blessed. We seek your blessing on each person here. You know if any are going through a situation or a trial, give them your grace and strength and help. Help them to be able to be quiet and patient, to wait on the Lord and allow him to work out his plans and purposes in their lives. We commend ourselves to you now as we give thanks in Jesus' name.